a phone interview with him. And that, that's how I, where I got the job from. I, I, he called me on the phone and was like, Hey man, so what's your deal? And then, and, and, but the thing that I was flipped out cause it was, Oh, this is Mordecai's voice and all that stuff. But there's something, this is a half story. And this, this is, I hope this is okay. But on my first day on regular show, again, I had just moved to, to LA and, uh, he took me and, uh, I think Benton and Calvin out to lunch. We went to In-N-Out Burger. It was my first time going to In-N-Out Burger. And I was this fan and I had all these questions about the show. And at the time, I had no idea how long the show would go. I didn't, I, I had no idea the show would go for over 200 episodes. I thought that maybe a few months, maybe a season, maybe two if I was lucky. Didn't, I had no idea that I'd be working on, you know, episode 100 through episode 150 and on and on and on. Um, and I was just like, hey man, do you know how the show is going to end if you end it. Um, and I'm not going to say what he said, because the thing he said was similar to what the real ending ended up being, but also there were some things about it that were totally crazy that nobody would have ever, people would have been like, what the fuck? Um, and I was just like, wow, that, it was crazy. Um, and so that was something that I hold, that I hold dear. It was like on day one, he was like, here's how I'm going to end the show. And it's like, we were working on season three at the time. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty wild, but look, he was, you know, uh, there was nothing better because JG, you know, Mordecai and, and Rigby have this relationship, you know, Mordecai, he doesn't hug Rigby. He doesn't tell Rigby that he's a great friend. You know, they don't have those, you know, it's like Seinfeld. It's like the no hugging, no lessons type show, you know? And so JG was kind of like that. He, he wasn't always giving you, he wasn't heaping on loving praise at all times. So if you got him to laugh out loud, that was like the most amazing feeling in the world. Like, mm. and and cause it's like, he would chuckle, he would laugh, but it's like, if you could get a joke that would make him like hunch down laughing, uh, that's how you know, like you did a really, really good job. And that was like the most rewarding feeling is like putting something in an episode that surprised him and shocked him and made him like, like buckle over laughing. Like that was some of my proudest moments uh, is, is when we got to do that. You remember the first time you got him to laugh like that? Yeah, it was it was either TGI Tuesday or or a bunch of full grown geese. But uh, when Owen and I did that episode, um, uh, um, return uh, sorry, it was uh, Brilliant Century Duck Crisis special because in that episode it was given to us as an eleven minute episode, and we just added so much stuff to it that nobody asked for. Like in the episode, there was like four or five robot uh, transformations and we up to like 12 or something. We just added all the stuff. And then again, and the storyboard, like a normal episode, we'd pin them on the walls to pitch them. Uh, and a normal episode would be like one and a half corners. And this one like spiraled all the way around the whole room because we'd added so much stuff to it. And and it was one of Owen's segments, you know, him and I, we collaborated on our, on our, on our writing. Um, you know, we wrote the episodes together, but it was one of his sec sections that he boarded. And it was like the number of transformations that we did and all the insane stuff that we added. Uh, and just seeing the way that JG reacted physically to it, it was just like, we fucking nailed it. Hey guys, it's your host, Julian. This week, I sit down with storyboard artist for regular show and the supervising director for OKKO, Mr. Toby Jones. This one was an absolute blast getting to hear how Toby went from a super fan to a storyboard artist for the regular show. And this is the first of a two-parter. So, without further ado, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What's My Head Podcast. I'm your host, Julian. Today, I'm joined by Mr. Toby Jones. Toby, thank you for coming on the show, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, all things considered, I'm doing decent. Oh, man, that's a, that's a good thing to hear, man. Uh, like I said, uh, I've really been looking forward to this one because if there's one show that's uh, got a special place in my heart, man, it's the regular show. And no better way to really kick it off than how did you get i've never seen more mullets i've never seen more el caminos i've never seen <laughs> guts hanging out of uh, dirty wife beaters uh how did you and jg meet up? how did how did you get on to this amazing show i mean i was a uh fan i was like yeah. a full-on like nerdy fan of the show basically like like, I don't know how far you want to go back with this stuff, but like when it comes it to regular show and, and me getting involved with the show, it all came down to like, uh, I just graduated from college. Um, and I went, I went to school for filmmaking and comic art in, in Minneapolis. 
And I was like a miserable post-college, you know, working guy. I was working at a bakery in a a movie theater and just like trying to get something going with my art. And it just like wasn't happening at all. I was like submitting for grants to get movies made. I was like working on comics, doing zines and stuff like that. And it was just, I I was, you know, two years of college and just like trying to figure my stuff out, not knowing where I'm going to end up. And um, I became this huge fan of Adventure Time and Regular Show. They had just started airing. And I was like, every week it was like, this is my this is my thing. Like Monday nights, like these cartoons, like this is like the coolest thing going on right now. And, this, and, uh, and I saw a tweet from JG uh, that just said they were looking for storyboard artists. And I, this was 2011. Um, and I had just learned what a writer storyboard artist even was. Like I didn't know until like a few months prior that these shows and a lot of the shows I grew up on were the same person who wrote the dialogue was drawing storyboard. You know, I didn't know that until until Rebecca, uh, Rebecca Sugar started posting those um, like Adventure Time, like promo art pieces. It was like, oh, the person who writes this writes the dialogue draws the storyboard. And I was kind of thinking like, hey, I'm not that great of an artist and I'm like a pretty good writer, but I can do both. And so and I do comics and like I was noticing like different types of people were getting brought in on these shows. And so I kind of took my shot. I Facebook messaged JG uh, out of the blue. And I was like, hey, man, I'm a huge regular show fan. Here are a bunch of my comics uh, and a bunch of my films. Like, I love the show and I, I, I'd love to work on it. And he sent me a storyboard test. And so I spent like a long weekend just jamming on the storyboard test, working my ass off, trying to make it as funny and good as possible. Uh, and just like, you know, show that I know the show and show that I can speak the show's language, but show like my own personal sensibility at the same time. And so like, I just, I, and then within three weeks, I was driving to LA to work on regular show. Um, and then that's how that I came from, you know, I had no animation experience. I, I, you know, I didn't come up like in that universe. Uh, I just, I just was a fan is, is where I came from really. Uh, so it was, it was pretty crazy. Dude, that is a crazy as an understatement. I don't even know if there's a, a better word for it. I mean, it's, that's pretty wild, man. Just out of the blue, you see a tweet, you send them a message, you shoot your shot, essentially, is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were you doing for that storyboard test, if you don't mind me asking? So the regular show storyboard test, uh, and you know, storyboard tests, I think, are becoming less in vogue now, which is probably a good thing, because it's a lot of free work that someone does on spec mm-hmm. to like show what they can do. But for someone like me at that time, who had no experience, it was kind of the only way that I could show what I could do. And so they they basically, the regular show test was they send you a single paragraph from an outline. So this was from that episode over the top. Uh, and it was before the episode had aired. It was the episode where Rigby and Skip's uh, arm wrestle. And then, you know, death shows up. And it was just like a single scene from that where like Rigby and Skip's are having a conflict about arm wrestling. And so there's just like a story outline of just the beat of like basically what happens in that. And then my job was to adapt that into a storyboard and write the dialogue and write the jokes. And so there was, but there was also a secondary part which was like a quiz where you're presented with like a bunch of scenarios of like Mordecai and Rigby in different situations with like word bubbles. And it was almost like a Mad Libs fill in the blank of jokes. Mm-hmm. And so your job uh, in the test is like to fill that out and make it as funny as you can and as much in the voice of the show as you can. And so that's what I did. Um, I wrote the scene out and I put in, you know, I made it clear that I knew how the show worked and how the characters spoke, but I also threw in a couple of jokes that were like of my own sensibility that I didn't think that I think wouldn't be on the show to be like, Hey, here's what, here's me kind of like pushing the boundaries a little bit and like showing you what I can do. Um, And I think that like, you know, a regular show, I think, as you know, as a fan, you know, that show has an incredibly specific sensibility. Mm -hmm. And I think JG was having trouble finding people who could clue in and 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 speak in the voice of the show and 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 do the show. And so he was looking outside of the usual people and outside of the usual uh the usual like uh talent sets to find someone who like could really be specific for the show. And that's where that's how someone like me with no experience but with like a unique comedic sensibility could that's how I was able to get my career started, you know? Dude, that's wild. Just just hearing how people start. And and there's one thing I want to circle back to, even though we didn't really bring it up, but he's he's been a guest and he he did some directing on this uh, on this series as well. Um, Robert Alvarez, man, I'm pretty sure you know him quite well. He's uh, he's, he's the, the greatest dude. Him. Yeah. Being able to talk to him. I've said this so many times. Uh, so fans, I apologize. But 
He's a national treasure. First off, mm-hmm. right off the bat, he's a national treasure, man. That guy has just forgotten more than I'll ever be able to retain about anf- <laughs> an, uh, animation. I mean, just the stories he's told me, getting to pick his brain whenever I have a question. He's never told me, just leave me the fuck alone, which I'm so thankful. It's just being able to talk to you and, and just pick his brain and see, you know, the Hanna-Barbera, the Cartoon Network, and then the the when Cartoon Network started and the mid, mid when people would say it kind of started to, you know, tinker down. And then when you guys blew up with Adventure Time and, and regular show and just that second wave or that third wave, really, uh, of, a, of a true animation renaissance, um, you know. So you got a favorite Robert Alvarez story or an interaction with him? Oh, man, I I think that he's just one of those people where every time you talk to him, he says something golden. Mm. Uh, And it's it's just amazing. And so I think my favorite thing with Robert is that I got to work with him on my my pilot. And so it was such a it was such a privilege to like get to hang out with him and just talk animation and hear his crazy stories. And he's very, very strong and usually very, very bold opinions. They're usually uh, very, very correct. and just to get to like sit down with this legend and, you know, it was, it was like, it was almost like handing my work to like the altar, you know, being like, Hey, here's my crappy drawings and my crappy story. Can you please like, you know, interpret this in a way that like really that, 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 that makes it sing. And did he did a great job on it. Uh, and so anytime I got to hang out with him and talk to him, I was, I was always really happy. Uh, and he, and he's, he's, he's great. He's worked on everything, you know, he, he, yeah. and he knows everything. And and one thing about him that, that's always really terrific is, you know, someone like me who came in with no experience and I, and I, and especially back then I wasn't a, a great draftsman, you know, I was, I was like a pretty good cartoonist, but not a great draftsman. And I was really learning on the job on regular show. Um, and that's the kind of, uh, the kind of opportunity that I was given. It was like, Hey, we like your jokes come on in and we'll figure it out, you know? And so I was working like a lot of really long hours, just like trying to figure it out and trying to like be able to hold my own. Uh, and the thing about Robert that's great is he he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder when it comes to like young and new artists. He, he you know, he, he doesn't have that kind of ego. He just is like he 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 loves, you know, talking to young people uh, and 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 learn and and doesn't have any pretension about the stuff he was doing versus the stuff that we're doing, you know. Hey guys, it's your resident cartoon junkie, Brandon Jones here, asking you to have a listen to my Animation Destination podcast. It's an animation celebration podcast, and it's full of all sorts of stuff about anime and cartoons and voice acting and all that sort of thing, and just a really all-around celebration of anything animated. So come on by and check it out. We've got fan episodes of your favorite animes to your most obscure cartoons on Netflix that no one's ever heard of. And just really love talking about it. You can subscribe to us on Spotify and iTunes and anywhere else you can get your podcasts from. So stop on by, subscribe, and stay tuned for the Animation Destination Podcast. That's really cool, man. And like I said, he's, you said it yourself. I mean, he's a legend in this game. He's been there. I mean, since they turned the lights on, you know, Hanna-Barbera to Cartoon Network, you know, he's, he's touched, like going, just looking at his, his, not even his IMDb, but you turn on any show that's on HBO Go or Max, whatever it's called these days, you watch anything on Cartoon Network, I'd be surprised if you don't see his name pop up in the credits at least once or twice, you know, during a binging stream. Um, but but nonetheless, man, so you go from, you said Minneapolis, correct? You went from mm-hmm. Baker. That was where I went to college, yeah. Okay, so, uh, and then you get in your car and then you're driving to LA to to kind of flush out this dream. You get to work on a show that you absolutely love, a regular show. Um what was like that first day going into Cartoon Network Studios like for you? I mean, it's kind of like what you'd expect is like a nerdy fan. It was I was <laughs> such a nerd. I was such a nerdy fan that I literally was like reading the Adventure Time crew blog that Fred Raider was putting, <laughs> like looking at the pictures of like and and it was like two months prior. I was like looking at those pictures, being like, "Wow, man, oh, may, uh, the dream would be to work there." And then I was working there. It was it was unbelievable. Like I was such a nerd that like I was I I I like signed in on my first day because I didn't have like my employee badge yet, and I signed in and above my name were the names of like animation legends who who I was like a fan of, and I was just like I cannot believe it was truly like I, it was literally a dream come true. It was like I can't believe that I'm here surrounded by all of my all of my heroes, you know, and I'm working alongside them. Uh, it, it was kind of unbelievable on that on that first day, uh, and and uh, and and yeah. How many times? <laughs> how many times did you pinch yourself? Did you ever think that they're going to pull the rug out now, or what was that like? 
I mean, it was one of those things where I really didn't think it was possible in a way. Like when I was working on the storyboard test and, you know, all of my friends were like, hey, man, I see you're working really hard on this thing. And it's funny that I say I'm working hard because I look at it now and it looks like total shit. But that's the, <laughs> that's just what it is. Um, but I was working so hard and my friends were just like, hey, man, L.A., like you're really going to like move to L- like leave everything behind and move to L.A. if you get this job. And I was just kind of like. I don't think I can get this job. I didn't think it was possible because I didn't have any, any, any experience at the time. You know, I didn't know anybody. And, uh, but they were like, but I think a lot of my friends kind of thought that there was a really good chance. My girlfriend, Maddie, who also went on to work on regular show and she co-ran infinity train and all that stuff. She, she was like, she kind of just knew she was just like, this is going to happen. And I really didn't believe it was going to happen. Uh, and, and so I hadn't prepared for the possibility of what that really meant. I was just kind of like, look, if somebody's offering me a job to make cartoons, I'll go anywhere. So that's exactly what happened. I, I, I hopped in my car and just drove across the country with no, with no plan. I was just like, whatever happens, happens. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to take this on and just, and just see where it takes me. And I'm still here. So. <laughs> hey man, it seems like it's working out for you, man. And that's such a wild thing to do is just push all the chips in on black or push all the chips in on red shoot for the stars man um there's one thing i did want to circle back to you said when you when you uh were showing robert your pilot uh you know you were a good cartoonist you just weren't a good draftsman you know for a dumb dumb like me man what's the difference i mean obviously cartoonists you know and draftsmen are i'm pretty sure really different but break it down simple for me at least I mean, I guess what it comes down to is like the fundamentals of like things like perspective and like and drawing, like making a a, a well-observed, like three-dimensional figure that has like actual weight and actually like exists in space and mm-hmm. and, th- and things like that. You know, ha- having a well, like an actually like a well-constructed drawing, yeah. and that's something I honestly still you know struggle with. I I I'm primarily you know. A good cartoonist is someone who can make a charming drawing that has a lot of energy and life and communicates a clear idea or expression or emotion. But it is sometimes a different skill set of being able to draw three-dimensional feeling characters in in a three-dimensional feeling space and have them feel grounded and real. Um, and that's something I'm still really learning, honestly. Yeah. You know, even even over ten years into my into my career, you know, it's something it's something that I that I'm still not the best at compared to a lot of my peers, and I have to kind of make up for it in other areas. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's it's something interesting you just said is they still still learning. And one mm-hmm. thing that I've learned, you know, in the last two years of doing this podcast, I just had a gentleman on last night. Uh, he's a he's a legendary Disney artist uh, and animator, Ron Husband, right? You know, Beauty and the Beast, uh, The Rescuers, Little Mer- I mean, Aladdin, he worked on Jafar, you know, uh, Hercules, the, the Cyclops Titan. So he's been around for quite some time. You know, he started in, in Disney in 75, right? And he retired in 2013. So he's got some time there. And one thing he kept echoing back to, he was like, I'm always learning. And now he's, he's teaching like three different courses or three different schools. He's teaching animation. So he's like, I'm always learning. He was like, even at this stage in my life, I've been doing this this shit for 50 plus years. He was like, I'm still learning. And I, I always find that just fascinating. You always notice that when somebody is just trying to master a class, master a craft, excuse me, you don't ever master that craft. You're always mm-hmm. trying to, right? So it's just interesting to continually hear that from professionals like yourself, man. So uh, like I said, I appreciate you guys working as hard as you work because without a show like regular show, man. I don't think me and my son connect as much as we did. I, like I said, if you've heard that story before, um, you know, so I, I really appreciate you guys crushing every single episode on this show. Um, what was it like the first time you see your name in the credits? Not so much as, you know, you're coming from a fan, super fan, like you said, mm-hmm. and now you're working on the show and now you're seeing your name up on the big screen next to everybody. I mean, it was, it was funny because like I was the first like person they brought on to regular show who had been a fan of regular show. Uh, like I was the first person who like they, they brought on who like, yeah, I've seen every episode and I'm like a big fan. Yeah. I don't think they had met a lot of people who were like huge fans because the show hadn't quite like the show eventually became like a household name, like mainstream uh-huh. success, you know? Uh, and so, but it hadn't quite hit, reached that level yet. Um, and so I, you know, it's funny. Uh, seeing my name on the TV, it was, it was a very, it was almost like a dissociative experience because what it really felt like it almost like just, it's weird when I watch my own work on TV, it doesn't even necessarily feel like I'm watching. Like it doesn't necessarily even feel like I'm on cartoon network or whatever. It almost feels like I'm back on 
local access because I used to make a lot of, I made TV shows with my friends on local access when I was growing up. And it almost feels more like that because it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, something I made with my hands, it's on local access. That's that's how I end up putting my name on the TV. You know, it's it's like a weird thing where I'm simultaneously experiencing real in the present, but also experiencing it in the only way I could understand it in the past, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But it was, but of course it was huge. The idea that like, uh, the idea that my name could be up there alongside all these people who, who I, who I was such a fan of, uh, to this day, honestly, amazes me. So I got to imagine with you being a fan, we've all had that. Uh, and, I've, and I've asked this question on multiple occasions to multiple people. I've got to imagine you fanned out pretty hard on at least one person on this cast. I think Bill had said that, you know, he was fanning out pretty hard. He was like, I had to keep cool, calm and collective. That was Luke Skywalker right there. And I was working with I was working with the great one. So who on the regular show did you fan out the hardest for? See, it's interesting because I have a really weird who there. There are the people I try my best to be a professional. <laughs> and usually, like and usually I do a usually I do a pretty good job being a professional. And on regular show, every time I was able to do my best and just you know be 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 a pro and be and and keep it together. You know, with with Bill, you know, Bill was great. He's so approachable, so easy to talk to. And yeah, Mark Hamill, super easy to talk to, super nice dude. All the all these folks are all, were just like really chill and, and easy to hang out with and and great to talk to. The times that I really really fanned out, this is a really weird one. Um, one sec, hold on. Sorry, I got, I got a notification here. Oh, no worries. Uh, I got it. Uh, we can take this out during the. Uh, yeah, I got to close shit like that. I've, I have to close the thing before it gets in the way of my stuff. So, okay, this isn't on regular show. This is on um on OKKO mm-hmm. and OKKO, of course. You know, as running that show with Ian, one of the coolest parts was casting and being able to bring in whoever we wanted to play all of these million characters. And the person, one of the people we brought in was Melanie Chartoff who uh she plays dd pickles on rugrats really? but she plays uh she plays uh principal muso in parker lewis can't lose which is mm-hmm. one of my favorite tv shows of all time and meeting her was one of the biggest times that i was like i fully like i turned to goop i was like yeah i love parker lewis uh miss <laughs> muso is one of my favorite characters and uh that that was a big one another big one uh, was we brought on Robert Costanzo, mm-hmm. uh, who who plays uh, the commissioner on uh, not Commissioner Gordon. He plays the uh, the 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 chump detective guy Bullock detective or Bullock, Bullock or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah on on Batman. But I know him from Airbud Golden Receiver as the coach. <laughs> uh, and and I and we brought him on. And again, same thing. I was like, this is the Robert Costanzo from Airbud Golden Receiver. Uh, those are the two big ones that I really, really like. I could see, you know, I could feel myself getting like weak in the knees and stuff like that. But honestly, also like first time I met like uh, JG and first time I met like Penn Ward, like same thing there. I was like, uh, I, I I was like freaking out. I, I couldn't figure out how to like be a normal person, you know? Dude, that, that's Airbud, man. I got a funny Airbud story. So uh, I was stationed, I was stationed in uh, San Diego. Uh, back, oh, shit, I want to say like 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. Um, and then whenever I would deploy, my wife would move back to Florida where we're from, and then she would stay with her parents. Um, well, she had taken the one car we had. We had a 2006. It was the ugliest yellow, but the coolest yellow in the same sense. So it was an 06 Nissan Sentra that we drove back and forth from Florida to San Diego four times, right? So on the last time she drove it out before I came back home to Florida, uh, my son, my oldest son at that point, he was watching movies and stuff. So we've got this little DVD player sitting back here so she can watch. It's like a 36-hour drive if you drive straight through from Florida to San Diego. So she's driving. And then before she got out of the state of Florida, she had, she had seen or listened to uh, Spooky Buddies, which was the Halloween spinoff of Airbud. I watched that very recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She was like, I wanted to throw the dvd player out before we, <laughs> i can't remember what the first state is we had i think it might be louisiana maybe i'm not sure um but when you're going to the west coast but she's like i had it memorized by texas and i was like holy that's shit. brutal but yeah there was a couple movies he did you know he did that one with cars uh the pixar movie he did that one with rio um and then spooky buddies like it just we burnt two dvds out in a row with each of three of those movies um so it's just interesting this like i said i've been doing this for like 130 episodes i've only released 110 to, you know from today um but uh 
this is the first time Airbuds came up. So I appreciate you bringing up Airbud, man. Um, it was one of those things growing up. I had I, I had a fixation where I was like, wait a second, there are eight of there are like six of these movies. Like, what mm-hmm. happened to Airbud? And so, like in high school, I got together with a bunch of friends and kind of watched them all like ironically. And then when all the Air Buddies movies came out, we did the same thing. But some of them I genuinely get into, and I will say. Robert Costanzo's performance in Golden, he's like the emotional core. He like really brings it. And I'm just like, damn, this guy's a really good actor. Like he really makes me believe uh, that he's the coach who who really believes that an Arab, that a dog can play football. <laughs> what a time. You, I mean, during that era, I mean, you had MVP, most val- valuable primate. I don't know if you remember that one, the little chimpanzee. Yep. That board, and I think he played hockey in the second one, maybe. Uh, I, I feel like we're around the same. How old do you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 35. Okay, yeah, so we're roughly around the same age. I was born in 89, so and we probably grew up in a lot of the same movies and cartoons, you know. Um, I'm but, sure. But getting it back to uh, to regular Showman, so that first episode that, uh, that you see your name in, you remember what that first episode was? I can imagine you do, but, you know. Oh, of course, it? yeah. The episode was uh, was called Under the Hood. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the one where they uh, there's a someone doing graffiti all around the park. <laughs> Uh, Mordecai and Rigby have to try to stop him with with a muscle man. And I had no idea what I was doing whatsoever. I come, you know, I wouldn't say that I like fully like biffed it, but it was a thing where it's like, I really like, I tried really, really hard, but it, it on, when you're starting on a new show, especially early in your career, it sometimes, it takes some time to like really, really, you have to find this balance where you're writing the stuff that you think is really, really funny and really, really good. But it's also the stuff that the people in charge think is really funny and good. Yeah. And it took me a few episodes on regular show to find a way to make sure to make those two things be the same thing, you know? Uh, and so with under the hood, it was like, I, I was trying really, really hard to be funny, but I definitely on my first pass, I was bringing a lot of like, uh, if you've seen AJ's infinite summer, you, you the jokes like that, that are more like visual gags, reality breaking jokes, uh, you know, naked gunner airplane style humor, which is not what regular show is. You know, the show is much more grounded and character driven. And so with that episode, it was like my first time like learning, like, okay, there's a way to tell a story on this show. Uh, and, and I have to learn it, you know? And so luckily everyone on the show was incredibly uh, generous with the, with their time, like, like sitting down and like training me and teaching me what I needed to know to, to write and draw the show. Uh, so yeah, that episode, it's like, you know, it's a good episode, but it's, I, I would say it's like when it comes to like things I'm like proud of that I feel like I have a personal voice in. It's like, I look back and I'm like, Oh boy, I had a lot to learn at that time. Uh. <laughs> oh, that's really cool, man. Cause there's, there's something great when you can put out a piece of art, you know, like regular show, or if you cook for a living and you record something, you put that out and you can watch your progression. So I got to imagine, like you said, you know, looking back on some of the stuff you do, like I look back on some of the stuff I did five, six years ago, I cook for a living. And I look at my wife one day and we're eating and she's like, wow, this is one of the best things you've ever made. And I was like, you remember like a decade ago when we had to survive on like one chicken, like when I first got in the military, we had to survive on one chicken. My son, my oldest son wasn't even here yet. And I was like, we'd make one whole chicken last between three meals, you know, between, you know, lunch and dinner for two of us. And she's like, yeah, I was like, man, my cooking was dog shit. I bet back then. And she's like, no, it was pretty good. And I was like, no, I remember where I was at three years ago cooking. And I like the level just keeps, you know, as you do it, you know, you're trying to master that class. You're trying to find perfection. You're trying to get better. You're trying to always do something different, always do something that's pushing the boundaries every time you attempt something, whether it's cooking, whether it's animating, whether it's writing, it doesn't matter what it is. You always want to get better. You know, so it's just it's funny to look back and, and hear somebody else echo the same sentiments as like, fuck, I want to I want to put them horse blinders up so I don't have to see, you know, those mistakes I made way back in the day. I mean, yeah, it, it's it can be hard to remain proud of personal work because mm-hmm. you see the flaws in it so much. And so looking at, you know, I was on that show, I was on regular show for, I think, five seasons, about five years. You know, I did like 40 episodes and it's hard to be proud of proud of them in the right way. Cause I look at them and I'm like, Oh God, I wish I'd done that differently. Oh geez. Even some of the episodes that I, that I think are really, really strong. I still look at my own stuff and get, get, get grumpy about it sometimes. But, um, but yeah, the, the, the first couple episodes, you know, under the hood with, with my board partner, Drace, who's like a complete genius. Uh, you know, that's one that I look at and I'm just like, it's really hard for me to watch now. Um, and I, I feel that way about a lot about the first, especially the first like two episodes that I did. Um, I feel that way about, and then, Luckily, you know, as things, okay, JG said this thing to me really early on. I was finishing up my first, I was finishing up Under the Hood, my first episode. And at the time, the, it was a very, very tight schedule. It was like a, I think it was actually a four week 
board rotation to mm-hmm. to with your board partner write and draw the whole episode. And I think I actually did under the hood on like an even shorter, like three week rotation because of the way the schedule was going at the time. When I came on, they were like changing stuff around. And uh, it was, it like knocked me out. And I was, I remember walking with JG to get lunch and just being like, you know, does it get easier? Like when, when does it feel natural? When does it start to feel natural? Like when does it start to feel like comfortable and easy or easier? And he was like about 10 episodes. And I was like, 10 episodes. That was so, that was like, it just felt like this three, three weeks or whatever took like years off my body. Uh, but he was right. Actually, you know, again, I did like 40 episodes and around episode 10, I was like, the job was so much easier. It felt so much more natural. It felt like I was able to really like, I was clued in and I could tell a story my way while also telling it JG's way, you know, at the same time. Um, and it was about 10 episodes. I think it was around, it was season four. It was the episode, a bunch of full grown geese and the episode TGI Tuesday around mm-hmm. that area is where I really started to feel like I was, I was getting, you know, really starting to kind of figure everything out and, 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 and the job got a lot easier and my episodes got a lot better. Um, yeah. So two things I want to circle back to, man, uh, when you're coming onto the show and you're super, super young and you're super, super green, uh, who are some of the people that you're leaning on just trying to kind of soak up that information, soak up that knowledge, you know, who are you going to when you've got questions? See, that was what was so amazing about starting on this show. I moved to Los Angeles and I know no, almost nobody there. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple, I've got a couple of friends from Minneapolis uh, who are living there and I'm, and I'm sleeping on the couch for a couple of weeks before I get a sublet apartment to stay at. And I've got those guys to lean on. But when I show up at, at the office, you know, when I have my career, I literally don't know a single person um, mm-hmm. at all. And the thing that was kind of amazing on regular show, and I'm, I'm also like, hey, I'm an artist, you know, I, I, I have anxiety, I can be kind of shy, you know, uh, but everybody there was so nice and so generous with their time. And, and, and everybody like from day one, clearly believed in me and believed that I could do it with, with enough time and energy. And honestly, that whole show, everybody was so, was so nice. And so my board partner, Calvin, uh, you know, Benton Connor, Hillary Florido started around the same time that I did. And so we can't kind of came up together on that. Uh, Dre, Dre Saloff, he was my board, my board was for my first episode, nicest guy in the universe. So generous. Sean Zellis and, and Kat Morris, you know, all of them from day one were just like, welcome to the family. You know, you're one of us now. And, and, you know, we're, we're, we're here and we're all, we're all in the same thing together. And yeah. And then the, the leaders on the show, JG and, uh, John Infantino and Mike Roth, uh, they were the three people running the show at the time and they would just like ha- take time to help me out. And, and like, I remember on, on my first few episodes, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I came from comics and, and filmmaking. And so my storyboards weren't really correct at first. And Mike Roth, you know, the guy's worked on so many different projects and the guy is, is like such a great teacher. He just sat down with me and like went through my board page by page. And was like, you got to do this. You got to do that. Here's how storyboards work. Like, here's how you tell the language of animation. Um, and so all, all it's weird to say, but like everyone, it was like an unbelievably, for me, it was an unbelievably welcoming uh, in, environment. Uh, so it was, it was, it was a great place to to start my career. Yeah, that sounds really cool, man. And it's always interesting, or it's not interesting. It's always great when you can hear that if the leadership has so much faith in their people and not, not, not even this just so much faith, but they have so much time for the youngest guy or the youngest gal that might be there, whether it's an age, whether it's an experience that they make time for that person that goes leaps and bounds, not only for your career, but your outlook and how you are going to grow up through this animation industry. Because I got to imagine if you see somebody like Mike or John or JG or fuck even Robert Alvarez is coming up to you. These guys that have been in the, in the industry for, decades at this point right they're making time for you you're going to have a moment in your career i guarantee you where there's going to be a kid that's probably roughly around the age you came in maybe even Mm -hmm. kind of the same story never worked in animation never went to animation school never did anything with animation but has a passion for it and you're going to make that time for that person you're going to give all the knowledge that these guys and gals have given you in your career throughout your entire career you're going to try to do the same thing with them you're going to help grow and shape and mold these folks man so it's it's at the circle of life in the best possible way mufasa is not dying in this story ladies and gentlemen it's just (laughs) going to be ever ending right um now with you said you know that first episode is kind of hard to be proud of man but do you remember 
looking back in those first 10 episodes, is there one that sticks out before you feel like you hit that stride? Is there one that you feel like you're most proud of? It doesn't have to be in that first 10. It could be in the entire series that you've done, but does one stick out? I mean, there are a lot of episodes that I that I really love, but in the, in the mm. first 10 that I did, uh, again, they're all very, my part, my board partners did amazing work on those episodes. My parts are a little more rough around the edges, um, but they got there. You know, of course they aired, you know, everything came together, but it wasn't too long before I started to feel like, okay, I can see why I'm here and I can see what I can bring to this show, you know? Uh, and the two episodes in season three that I did that I felt that way about were out of commission, which was my third episode. That was the first time that I was like doing jokes that I felt like these were regular show jokes and they're working, but I also really love them. I think they're really funny. And I remember John Infantino even like setting me aside and being like, Hey man, this is really funny. And I was just like, thank God I'm not going to get fired. Oh my God. <laughs> Um, the out of commission is the one with the um, where the golf cart becomes sentient yeah. and and becomes their buddy and 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 that's a, a strange episode because they brought me in to do the voice of the golf cart like at the very end of production like they had had a different voice actor in that role and it had been fully animated at the very end they were like you know what this isn't working Toby can you come in and do it like an ADR the the mm-hmm. the golf cart and that that was crazy and then the other one is the one right after that which is called Trucker Hall of Fame. <laughs> which is the one where muscle man's dad dies. Um, and that was one where I was just like, this concept is so crazy. And like the idea that the show is doing this like super emotional story about muscle man. Mm-hmm. Like I just sank my teeth into that one with Calvin and, uh, and just like had a lot of, and kind of had, had a great time with it. Um, so those are two like early episodes from that first season that I worked on that I'm like, those are good episodes that I, that I am proud of either because they just turned out great or because I was able to do something, bring something to the table that only I could have brought. Do you have a favorite line from voice in the golf cart? Oh God. The thing with the, with the golf cart performance is it's the same way as the other stuff where it's like, I can't listen to it. Like I, I was so nervous. Like I, I, I can't listen to it. Um, so no, the answer is no, I can't. <laughs> yes. uh, was any, did you go to any of the voice actors that you might've reached out to, or did you just wing it and go in there and try your best? Uh, sorry, could you, what, what was the question? Uh, when you, when you go in there and you were like, they come and ask you, Hey, we want you to do this voice. Did you go to any yeah. of the other voice actors and ask for any tips or anything like that? Or did you just go in there and just try to. Oh no, I, w- I wish there was no time. It was no. like, the episode was like all, almost complete at that mm-hmm. time. And so literally it was like, Toby, can you come do this? And then it was like a day later, I went in and did it. It was like, so it was like, it was crazy. Again, ADR is not, you know, it's a very different process from, from doing normal voice acting where, especially on, on regular show and KO, a lot of the times we'd have a lot of the actors in the room together and they could kind of riff and bounce off each other's energy. And, but this was a thing where literally I was in there by myself, the anime, the completed animation was on a screen and I had to match my performance to the timing of the existing animation, almost like, you know, it was like dubbing, like dubbing yeah. anime or something. Um, so it was a very different process. Would have been helpful to get a chance to talk to someone uh, and maybe help me figure it out. And of course, later in my career, I got to work with actors who did that really, really well. You know, Courtney Taylor, who was the second voice actress for KO, mm-hmm. you know, a few of those episodes, she ADR'd them and, uh, and she just did this amazing job. And it's like, wow, I really... Have a lot to learn, as with everything else. <laughs> well, it's really cool, man. I mean, you've gotten to see uh, – this is something that's come up with, with quite a few board artists because, you know, before I started this podcast, I assumed the same person that did storyboards was also – you know, they did background. They did the painting. They did everything, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it wasn't until – you know, I want to say probably Robert Alvarez when he really broke stuff down or maybe been a few of the character designers like Chris Battle that worked on, uh, you know, Powerpuff Girls and Teen Titans Go and all that stuff. You know, he's like, no, man, we we there was, you know, at one point in time, you know, you kind of did one or two different things. But, you know, as time kind of progressed, you kind of became specialists. You know, you had character designers, mm-hmm. you had backgrounds, you had painters, you know. Um, so was there anything that you got to try out other than storyboarding? I mean, obviously, you just said you got to do voice acting, but did you get to do anything else other than, you know, storyboarding? for regular show on regular show yeah. uh no it was it was really like the thing is regular show was a was a kind of a particularly compartmentalized um project mm-hmm. when uh pipeline wise and that was you know by design it was to keep everything really 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 streamlined so it's weird to say but we all did kind of in a way there was a bit of a, a bit of a um impetus for everyone to kind of stay in their lane a little bit on that show and, you know, different shows run different ways and that show ran really well. You know, it was on time and, and under budget and, and all that stuff. So on regular show, you know, 
I would say that the biggest examples of of kind of getting to kind of go outside of my lane were, yeah, go, getting to do voice acting and um, occasionally just being asked for feedback on little things like on the episode Brilliant Century Duck Crisis special. Um, it has that crazy anime opening. Uh, and JG kind of like brought me and Owen in and was like, Hey, check out this first pass of this music. Mm-hmm. And like, do you have any feedback? Do you have anything you'd want to do, do differently? You know, little, little things like that. But really a lot of our expression on the show was kind of specific to just hunkering down and doing writing and boards. And then all the other parts of the process, I, I got to kind of explore and learn more about through my pilot and through doing KO. Now, was there anything in particular that stuck out to you that you have not done that you would love to do? In my whole career that I haven't done that I would love, as, you know, yeah, as far as as far as animating goes, I I would say that you know the the area that I I think I've learned more about that I'd like to get more hands on with in the future is is um, design, yeah, um, because uh, I got to be very hands on with the design on my pilot, but that was now you know that was 2013, 2014. I was still really green at that time, and I would do a lot of things differently now. And on KO, you know, Ian and I were running the show together, but there were certain areas where we, we, um, you know, we, we would separate and work on our own stuff. So Ian focused a lot on the art and design while I was focusing more on the story stuff, post-production animatics. Um, and so that was an area where it's like, you know, given the chance, I'd love to be able to help oversee, uh, and, and collaborate, um, with design a little more closely on a future project. And where do you think you thrive at? Where do you think is like your sweet spot? Oh man. If there's one thing I learned on KO is that there's, uh, there's so many things I love to do. The, the the thing that was so magical is being able to um, bring in an idea and see it through with a team from beginning to end, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there isn't any one. I, there, oh man. I mean, writing writing is something that I really love to do. And that comes down to both generating a story and also just writing a dialogue, you know? But also I really love um, post-production. I really love working with the animation and and figuring out the music and the sound effects and the edit and all that stuff. It's really, really fun for me to do post. So it's weird to be like, everything. Uh, but no, the, the area that I, that, I, that I thrive in is, is probably, you know, um right story story and writing and jokes where do you feel like you probably have the most trouble with i would say it goes back to um it goes back to the draftsmanship thing if i if i'm tasked with boarding a particularly complex or rigorous uh sequence you know i struggle you know i i can't do like a crazy action sequence. I can do a simple action sequence, mm-hmm. uh, but it, there's a certain level of complexity that it can get to where it gets to be a little above my, my skill level. And uh, the only thing I can do is make up for, make up for that, uh, that lack in these other areas. Um, but, but that that's the area where I still struggle. It's like, if I have to do a complex, like car chase with cinematic angles or something like that, I'm going to start to sweat a little bit. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. I always like seeing how what people get attached to as far as their craft, you know, because it's you guys do so many different things, man. Like I said, from painting to backgrounds, like I love I love backgrounds so much. I mean, I got hit on it so many times by the fans like there's just something about seeing, you know, I'm pretty sure you watch Samurai Jack. Like I said, we're roughly around the same age. Of course. Yeah. You know, so the backgrounds of Samurai Jack, one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And then if you ever watch Primal, he takes Mm -hmm. that tool whole new level i mean gendy gendy and jg are like one of the same for me they're on my mount rushmore that question i'm gonna ask you in a little bit um you know those two guys are on my mount rushmore but i mean it's just like what what they can do with the characters that they've both developed and then put them into a world i mean regular show is one of the wildest shows i've ever seen because you look at it and you're like what the fuck is a blue jay and a raccoon how is it why is there the, the Yeti and an abominable snowman? What do you want to call him? Why is there a, why is this dude's nips hanging down to his belly button? Why is he ends everything with your mom? Like, or my mom is just like this, like from the outside looking, he's like, it shouldn't work, but you watch and he's like, there's so much heart. There's so much soul. There's so much laughter. Like I have, if I am having a bad day, there's two or three things that I can put in and I'm instantly going to have a great day. Step brothers or Talladega night. You know, Nacho Libre, if we just stick on films, one of those three movies is going to get me. 
or if I put on the regular show, man, it doesn't matter what could have happened that day. I could have flat tire, you know, I could have broke a phone. It doesn't matter. It's just like, I'm a laugh because of these characters. Everything is so well constructed. It's so well animated. The story is there. Like I said, it's just a beautiful show. Now, when obviously you said you came back as a fan, right? Or you came onto it as a super fan. Um, Looking at it now, and I don't know if you can kind of differentiate the two eras that you that you were in, you know, fan before and then still mm-hmm. a fan and then you're working on the show. But did you have a favorite episode that you loved before you worked on the show? And then has that changed since working on the show? Well, yeah, definitely. Just because, we you know, when I started working on the show, there were only a handful of episodes. You know, I when I moved out to L.A., season two had like just started airing. Yeah. Um, so there weren't that many episodes yet, but at the time, the big one for me was Dawn. I thought Dawn was the funniest thing. I absolutely loved it. Uh, and so I remember I had a, I like had watched Dawn when it aired and like downloaded a file of it. And I was like bringing it to friends house houses on like a USB and like showing it to them being like, check out this damn show. Yeah. Cause yeah, regular show is such a, such a unique show. Like it, when I remember seeing the pilot and I didn't quite get it at first until, and I think it was when the power aired and I watched it and I was like, Oh, I get what this is. It's like alternative comics. It's like indie comics. It has like this handmade, like personal sensibility. And it's like a subversive kind of gritty rough around the edges show. And that's where like the life of it comes from. But yeah, Don was the one that like made me really fall in love with the show when it was airing. I I couldn't believe how, how funny it was. And I'm horrible with names. Which one was Don? Don was the one where we meet Rigby's older brother, Don, (laughs) or no, it's technically younger brother, Don, who has the human body. Give me some uh, yeah. <laughs> and he's a exactly and he's doing he's doing the audit and it was just like so fucking funny oh that's so great man my favorite episode and you know usually you know as you watch or you progress through a show or as you get older you look back on something like you know now this is my favorite show but it's been pretty consistent yeah. baby ducks man i can't remember if that was the name of the episode but that episode yep. in my opinion is the one of the funniest Whenever they're baby ducks, like I've got a duck story, right? So, <laughs> so I've always wanted a duck. I've got some really cool names. I wanted two because I wanted to give them super proper British names. I wanted Sir Reginald for one of them. And then I wanted Sir Ducksworth, you know, something along those lines was the second one. Um, yeah. So I've always wanted a duck. I just find birds so fucking fascinating. I mean, I love pigeons. I love ducks. Right. And uh, I remember we were at this tractor supply store and then they had ducks and they had chickens and they were they were still baby ducks and baby chickens. And this is shortly after I see the episode with the baby ducks. Right. So I go up there and there's a very no there's a very strict no return policy once you buy like baby chickens and baby ducks. So I was like, all right, this is my only chance because I've asked my wife if I could buy a duck. And she says, no. I was like, all right, here's my chance. So I go and I get, I'm like, hey, I I need a baby duck. I need to make it quick. right. So I'm going, I got this baby duck. I got him in a little box. I'm getting ready to go pay for him. And I'm looking around, looking around. All right, she's not up here yet. I'm going to buy this duck. So I get up there and then the lady's going, all right. And she's just fucking going, just bumping, bumping her gums. I was like, lady, look, 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 I'm I'm not trying to be mean. I want to fucking buy this duck because my wife's going to make. And as soon as I said, my wife's going to make me return. She's like, why the fuck do you have a duck in your hand? I'm like, God damn it, Susan, I almost had this duck. <laughs> and she's like, put it back. Wow. We're not buying a duck yet. So I almost, because of regular show, I mean, I love ducks before, but because of regular show with karate action ducks, man, I always wanted yeah. a duck in, in hopes that they would know karate and then, you know, just beat the shit out of people, right? You know, so that that's always been my my favorite episode. Look, one day, one day you'll get your duck. I, I, one day. One day. I, I remember reading that episode for the first time because I was like, it was my first couple of weeks on the show. And one of the first things I did was I hopped on the server and I caught up on all the episodes that hadn't come out yet because mm-hmm. I because I needed to catch up to know what was going on. And so I remember reading the storyboard because that episode hadn't aired yet. It hadn't been finished. Reading the storyboard for a bunch of baby ducks and being like, yeah, like this is the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, my friends, yeah, Kat Morris and, and Minty Lewis did that episode. And it was it's it's like a true all-time classic mm-hmm. um and then getting to work on the sequels to that episode it was like such an it was like a true honor to get to do two sequel episodes to the baby duck episodes and like be like make sure we're upping the ante we got to make sure that we're not letting people down like it's really important that we don't mess this up dude seeing baby ducks form like voltron and come together to just beat the shit out oh, i was it was oh, man there's there's maybe the folks working on that like if you work on something or if you make something, you always find, you know, where 
Like maybe I had to like, I, this really had to get done. So I had to shave off. Maybe I did something a little bit less, whether it's food, whether it's whatever, you know, we all take some shortcuts to save time, save money, stay on budget, stay on model. Right. So it's whenever you make something, you can always sit there and look at it because you tell me 10 things that's wrong with it. But me as a fan looking at it, it's perfection. Like that is the bar for everything for a regular show for me. Is it as funny as the ducks or is it as good as the ducks? So is it well acted, well written, well animated? Yes, yes, yes. They're all great episodes. I've never had one one bad episode of regular show. I've never had one episode where I did not fucking laugh once, have a good time or think, man, I don't want to watch the show anymore. Never once of those thoughts come through my mind, man. So like I said, the ducks are at the bar, man, but I absolutely love that episode. Um, if you had to give somebody, let's pretend that we're in a world where there, there's a guy out there, a girl out there that doesn't know of regular shows, never seen an episode, never seen a superstition, never seen a trailer, never seen a teaser. If you had mm-hmm. to tell them one episode that you think that absolutely get hooked on, what would be that one episode you'd recommend? Look, this is really easy. Mm-hmm. It's the first episode. It's yeah. the power. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the power to me is one of the great pilots. Like uh, it's not the pilot. The pilot, of course, became that episode first day, but it's it's a pilot in a way. It's the first eleven minute episode. The power. It, it's like it it shows you everything you need to know about why that show is funny. Like it's all right there. You've got the magical uh, keyboard doing funny things. You have the baby ducks in that episode. Yes. You get the relationship. Uh, the, but the the comedic sensibility of the show just immediately with that episode, like from the first minute, it's there. I think the power is the one. I, I would love to pick one of my own episodes, but if you're showing it to the if you're showing the show to someone for the first time, the first episode is it, it does the job perfectly, in my opinion. Now, why do you think this show? I mean, the the fan base is very rabid. I mean, it's it's I'd put it up there with Adventure Time, Steven Universe. I mean, when you talk to somebody that is like a through and through fan fan of those three franchises in particular, it's just like they're extremely ride or die. Those are the folks you want to have with you if you ever go into war. Those fans. That's the type of fan base you guys have. What do you think is the staying power of regular show? Why has it lasted? I mean, it's been a decade, you know, but why do you think it's so, still so relevant? Why do you think it's so popular? Look, the thing with a lot of these classic Cartoon Network shows, and you can draw a line from the most recent classic Cartoon Network shows mm-hmm. all the way to the very beginning. And what that is is a unique sensibility given trust, you know? And that's just simply what we have. In the case of all of these shows, you know, if you're looking at regular show, this JG is someone with a very unique, one-of-a-kind personal sensibility. And he was given the opportunity to make a show as he wished. He made the show he wanted to make with very little pushback. Uh, you know, very, there was not there were not a lot of people standing around at that time being like, why is there a talking blue jay asking you know asinine questions and slowing things down it was just like he was just given the trust to 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 make a show that no one else would want to make uh cartoon networks saw this weird thing and said all right let's give it a chance and see how it goes and when you're seeing a unfettered like auteur style vision on screen it translates like a lot of the most popular and beloved animated series in the history are that mm-hmm. are are someone give a, a one of a kind perspective and vision, and that's regular show. That's your time. That's even universe. That's Texture's lab. That's everything. That's all the class. SpongeBob. That's the Simpsons. That's all the classic shows have that. And and I think that's what it is. I think when you as a viewer see something that's coming directly from someone's brain in their hand, and it's like honest and true. Uh, and uncompromised, I think you can't not react to it. Now, a couple more questions and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. You know, as we start to 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 wind down our regular show talk, and like I said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to split this up and we're going to do okay, KO, and we're going to do fans questions on the next episode. We're going to get two weeks of Toby here um, for uh, for recording and episodes released. Um, but uh, regular show, man, and JG, uh, I got to imagine with you working as close as you did with JG and this being, you know, your first show in animation breaking in the industry, you got to have at least one or two fun JG stories. But whenever you hear the name JG Quintel, man, is there one that comes to mind, maybe an interaction or maybe some in, or maybe some knowledge he tried to drop on you as far as the animation industry goes? Look, uh, you know, JG is regular show. That's yeah. the thing is like, you know, I'm sure you've seen that his voice is Mordecai's voice yeah. and like. The, the the rhythms and vibe of the show, the sensibility of it, the just the everything about it, it comes so directly from him. It's 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 literally like him and his spirit and existence transcribed onto television. Um, and it's all there, all the all the mannerisms, it's all there, it's all real. 
Um, I remember when I when I had my I had a phone interview with him. Then that that's how I where I got the job from. I I he called me on the phone and was like, "Hey man, so what's your deal?" And and and, and but the thing that I was flipped out because it was oh this is Mordecai's voice and all that stuff. But there's something. This is a half story, and this this is I hope this is okay. But on my first day on regular show again, I had just moved to to L.A. and uh, he took me and uh, I think. Benton and Calvin out to lunch. We went to In-N-Out Burger. It was my first time going to In-N-Out Burger. And I was this fan and I had all these questions about the show. And at the time, I had no idea how long the show would go. I didn't, I, I had no idea the show would go for over 200 episodes. I thought that maybe I'd for a few months, maybe a season, maybe two, if I was lucky. Didn't I had no idea that I'd be working on, you know, episode 100 through episode 150 and on and on and on. Um, and I was just like, hey, man, do you know? how the show is going to end if you end it. Um, and I'm not going to say what he said because the thing he said was similar to what the real ending ended up being, but also there were some things about it that were totally crazy that nobody would have ever, people would have been like, what the fuck? Um, and I was just like, wow, that, it was crazy. Um, and so that was something that I hold, that I hold dear. It was that, like on day one, he was like, here's how I'm going to end the show. And it's like, we we're working on season three at the time. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty wild, but look, he was, you know, uh, there was nothing better because JG, you know, Mordecai and, and Rigby have this relationship, you know, Mordecai, he doesn't hug Rigby. He doesn't tell Rigby that he's a great friend. You know, they don't have those, you know, it's like Seinfeld. It's like the no hugging, no lessons type show, you know? And so JG was kind of like that. He, he wasn't always giving you, he wasn't heaping on loving praise at all times. So if you got him to laugh out loud, that was like the most amazing feeling in the world. Like, mm -hmm. and, and cause it's like, he would chuckle, he would laugh, but it's like, if you could get a joke that would make him like hunch down laughing, uh, that's how, you know, like you did a really, really good job. And that was like the most rewarding feeling is like putting something in an episode that surprised him and shocked him and made him like, like buckle over laughing. Like that was some of my proudest moments uh, is, is when we got to do that. You remember the first time you got him to laugh like that? Yeah, it was it was either TGI Tuesday or or a bunch of full grown geese. But uh, when Owen and I did that episode, um, uh, um, return. Uh, sorry, it was uh, Brilliant Century Duck Crisis special because in that episode it was given to us as an eleven minute episode, and we just added so much stuff to it that nobody asked for. Like in the episode, there was like four or five robot. Uh, transformations and we up to like 12 or something we just added all the stuff and then again and the storyboard like a normal episode we'd put them on the walls to pitch them uh, and a normal episode would be like one and a half corners and this one like spiraled all the way around the whole room because we'd added so much stuff to it and and it was one of Owen's segments, you know, him and I, we collaborated on our, on our, on our writing. Um, you know, we wrote the episodes together, but it was one of his sec sections that he boarded. And it was like the number of transformations that we did and all the insane stuff that we added. Uh, and just seeing the way that JG reacted physically to it, it was just like, we fucking nailed it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And uh, if you could sum up, you know, your regular show experience you know, one word, one sentence, one paragraph, man, one phrase, what would it be? What does regular show mean to Toby? The enduring, the, the lasting effect of regular show for me comes down to the relationships and the bonds that I formed with my peers. You know, it was all these people who were coming up with me at the same time. And we, we formed these bonds. Um, and, you know, especially on starting with like season six and seven you know like kind of a couple of years in we started doing this thing that we called casual fridays where we would all go out to lunch to a restaurant in burbank that we would never otherwise think to go to because you know you get into your routines it's like oh every week i'm going to go to chipotle every day i'm going to go to chipotle or whatever and get a burrito and go home and go back and work but it's like every friday it's like we'll take a long lunch and and all of us board artists will go to a random restaurant that we would never go to uh, and we started doing that every Friday and we started forming like a very close bond. Uh, at the time it was me, it was Maddie Carrypel, it was Owen, Dennis, it was Ryan Pequin, Sam Spina, Minty Lewis, Casey Crow, uh, and Drace and Calvin and Sean would, would drop in sometimes too. And, and, 
And that was like the the thing that the thing that like really really sticks with me because because we're all still friends, mm-hmm. and it's because we took the time to not just be coworkers, but to like really really grow to be to a close friendship from doing something kind of silly, you know, going to home country buffet on a Friday with your coworkers, but having this like dependable routine and you, and you, and and uh, that's that's really the thing. It's like it came it came down to um, the relationships. That's really cool, man. It's it's you could always tell, and maybe this is just me wanting to be a romantic here for a second. You can always tell when somebody's doing something and they're putting their heart and their soul into it, right? Man, you can always tell when somebody's just doing it for a cash grab money or they just don't care. At least I think you can. Mm-hmm. And I, I told you there wasn't one episode, there wasn't one moment in a regular show where I didn't feel like, fuck, dude, they, these guys are hitting it. They are crushing everything they do. And that sums up why I love regular shows so much, man. You guys were so close, so tight knit. You know, you guys went out to lunch at a different spot each time. You guys were swapping stories. You know, you guys were growing together. A lot of you guys, you know, were first job in animation. You know, you guys came from fans. Then you became employees and became friends and became family, you know, and you kind of, you kind of get that throughout the show. You know, you find... You find a reason, like I said at the beginning, you, this show shouldn't work when you look at it from afar. When mm-hmm. you don't have any context to it, there's just, why the fuck is a blue jay talking to a ra- you know, raccoon? It just doesn't make sense. But then you watch it and you listen and then you grow with the show and you grow and you evolve with these characters. It's just, it's such a beautiful way to end this show. You, you guys came together as a family, man. And like I said, I, I, I will go down... Uh, any rabbit hole for this show anybody that's ever worked on this show man you guys have my undying support man um this show is special this show will stand the test of time when i'm long and gone man we're still going to be talking about that blue jay named mordecai and that raccoon named rigby and you had a huge part in helping me and my son bond over something man like i said i'll forever be grateful for anybody on that show um you know, I was going to ask you that Mount Rushmore question, but I feel like we'll save that one for the second one, and then we'll rotate into the fans' questions on that second part, man. But, sure. uh, you know, just in case we uh, we do this one as a standalone episode, which we won't. We'll do a second part, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but where can the, the, the folks, if they say, Toby, I really enjoy the stuff you do, and I want to see what you're working on next, man, where can they go to find you at? Where are you at on social media? Uh, on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Toby Toby Jones, and that's when you, where you can see... One day I can hopefully talk about like all the development stuff that I've been working on and on my personal projects alongside, you know, working on Jellystone and doing these other gigs. The moment that I can say those things, I, I will hopefully be able to do so on those spots. Until then, you can see me do some dumb jokes and Oreo reviews or whatever on there. Oreo reviews? Uh, we we can't just bear the lead and sign off on this one. <laughs> just, this body is built by cheeseburgers and Oreos, man. What's your favorite Oreo? Oh man, there's so many good ones. I really like the gingerbread one, and yeah. I really like the dark chocolate one, and I really like the Reese's peanut butter cup one. I haven't had that one yet. I'm a huge. I think it's the chocolate peanut butter pie, or it just might be peanut butter pie one. Whatever mm-hmm. the, I'm a sucker for peanut butter. Any anything peanut butter, man. I'm I'm a fan of. And I didn't know they did a Reese's one, so I might have to see if I can't find my way through that one. I, I hope they look. It's one of those things. They 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 bring out these seasonal flavors and then they go they go away. So the Reese's one was the best peanut butter one they ever did. So I'm really? hoping they can bring it back. Yeah, man, I'm gonna have to try to see if we can't get it on eBay. I mean, I'm a sucker for them, even though they taste exactly the same. Uh, the the Halloween Oreos. There's just something about Halloween that I absolutely love, man. So yep. those are always my go tos. Um, but like I said, Toby, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you spending some time with. We could pick your brain and then kind of see how you went from fanning out to drawn on this on this amazing show man so i really appreciate what you did so uh ladies and gentlemen make sure you give toby a fall man well he's been follow not a fall make sure you give him a follow <laughs> subscribe uh he's been toby i've been julian it's been a what's my head podcast and it's been another piece of your childhood good night next week is our part two with toby jones enjoy the teaser well it was a, it was a year-long process of that that's the thing about animation because the way that the pipeline works right and so you know we found out the show was ending luckily very early and so we got to build that entire third season out as a final season and tell our whole story and you know as i mentioned the whole crew we all rallied to, to do the best that we possibly could you know uh in the face of burnout in the face of everything we, we all we all did our best and then what happened was the slow slow end of the show because 
the way that the production pipeline works means that every week, another couple of people were saying goodbye. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, first it was the writers, then it was the board artists, you know, and then it would, then, then it was the, we had to say goodbye to the voice actors. Then we had to say goodbye to the animatic editor, then all the designers. And and then finally all the production team, you know? And so every week we had to say goodbye to a couple more people. Many, many tears were shed because we all loved working together. You know, it was, it was the thing is that like, we were already like, we had a very strong, like internal crew culture, especially because the show we did 52 episodes before the show was even announced. You know, we, we were all like in there. We all, we were, we had already, we were that far ahead at the beginning because they wanted to air like every, and they were like an episode. This is going way back. They had an episode like every day for like two months. And yeah. so they, they wanted to have a huge bank. of it. So we were all, we were in the, the hole with ourselves without anybody knowing what we were doing for like a full year. And so we had a very strong internal crew, you know, culture and point of view and sensibility and the show ending really 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 crystallized that because suddenly it wasn't just the show we were all working on it was the show that we we're all working on that that is being <laughs> taken from us you know and so we all like our bonds really 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 grew in that last couple of couple of i would say several months but between us finding out the show was ending and, and the first few people saying goodbye and it, it became a thing we started socializing a lot more we started playing a lot of you know jackbox games on Fridays, we'd get together and play Smash Brothers or Quiplash or Drawful. And we were make, doing the craziest stuff. And it was just us like, you know, it was it was part of that rallying to, to, uh, at the end. And so it was really, really, really sad saying goodbye, you know, person by person every every single week. Um, and at the end, it was just me and Ian and Geneva Hodgson, who was our number three on the show, who we brought on, who was a board artist who we promoted to uh, to be our number three for the final leg of episodes. And it was just the three of us and then uh, uh, our producer, Janet, and a few pro- for, pro- few production people. And for the last like six months of production, it was just the three of us in post. So, you, you know, we were just hanging out. We weren't doing board pitches. We weren't writing new episodes. We weren't doing new designs. It was just post-production. We would get the episodes in. We would edit them. We'd do the sound effects and, and the music and and uh, we'd do the picture editing. And, and that was it. It was like a, it was like, uh, months and months and months to like grieve mm-hmm. together, you know, cause we were, we were finishing them up and we had a lot more spare time without the pre-production part. We had a lot more time to focus on polishing and fine tuning those final episodes. Uh, and we all just like spent a lot of time together yeah. talking about it and just like talking about how we felt about it and talking about everything. You know, it was a lot of like quality personal time uh, to bond as, 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 as people. Uh, and, 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 uh, and so that way it was like a year, the, the thing you're describing, it was like a year long version of that. And, but it's funny because like, uh, and like at a certain point we like moved offices cause it was just the three of us uh, with Janet and a couple and a couple production people. And, and, uh, and, um, it's funny you, you, you talk about like the lights turning out because the final episode of the show, you know, the final thing you see over the credits is a photo that I took of the offices at like the end of the night at like the end of the day. Uh, and that was like us saying, like, like, you know, the show was was very was very, uh, you know, as I was talking about earlier, we were very clear about it's a direct it's a direct message from our like hearts. And so the final thing you see is a physical photo of the office, because mm-hmm. uh, that's how much we loved working on it, that we just needed. We were just like, you're saying goodbye. We're, we're saying goodbye too. you know, it was it was a very it was a very, it's it was very hard to say goodbye, especially as we all grew closer together. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed this show, make sure you smash that subscribe button, hit a follow depending on what app you're listening to, and give us a five-star rating. It helps other fans of pop culture find us, and it's pretty cool. I'll see you guys next week.